0: The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Hey, uh, listen, you guys have, do you guys have a good Thanksgiving? Man, I I, uh, I hope that this... Uh, last week was just filled with, even as we're talking about, just, just some contentment thing, areas of contentment in our life. where We just allow gratitude to flow. You know, that that concept had been on my we, my mind for the last several weeks. And um, man, I, I just, I, I, this week is just so fun. So grateful for all that God has done. Um, but you know, there's an interesting, like how many of you have been, were waiting for Friday before you got into like the Christmas spirit. How many of you guys appropriately know when to start celebrating Christmas? Okay, thank you. You guys are with me. All right, you waited till Friday. Um, but, but, you know, some of you guys have been celebrating Christmas since like July, okay? I, I, it's just, hey, go for it. But, you know, the right way is to do it, wait till Friday. Um, and so it is now officially in that Christmas season, but I'll be honest. I know this isn't right or wrong. Like Christmas can start on Friday. That, that, that's, that's fine. I'm, I'm good there. Um, but... It doesn't feel like Christmas till December to me. I'll be honest. Like, it, I'm going to start getting, we're going to go get a tree and all, we're going to start all the stuff, but it doesn't feel like, and so here's the thing, like, I was like, we're, we're, we're in this spot, like it's after Thanksgiving and before December. And so before we jump into a Christmas series, I wanted to, I wanted to, to hit something before we go right on into Christmas. And, and that's this, like, I love the new year. I know you're like, new year? Like it's just, it was barely Thanksgiving. We can't go there yet. How many of you guys are already thinking about the New Year, especially if you work a job that's like, like you're wrapping up the year, like your brains are. How many of you guys are already moving to New Year's? Anybody like already? There's a few of you. OK, I, I love the New Year. I love the fresh start. I love not just resolutions, but setting new goals and rethinking. I love all that stuff. But here's the problem. Tell me if, if you can identify with this. Right. So Christmas is so full and I love it. It's so busy and it's so like so many things and friends and family and, and, and all the stuff and it's great. And then like all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, like New Year's in like an hour. I need like some resolutions now. Okay. Uh, well, I still got pie in my gut. I'm going to swear off pie for 2023. That's it. I'm done, right? Anybody else made a New Year's resolution within the last week of the year that was knee-jerk reaction and you failed by like the second? Anybody ever like You're just laughing at me. I know y'all are liars. Like, you've done it. I know it. Some of you are like, nah, because I just stopped. I did it once, and then I'm done. Listen, here's the the thing. I believe there's something special about a new year that allows us to just reset some things in life. But sometimes we get rushed right into it. And so here's what we're going to do for this gap weekend between Thanksgiving and December. I, I want us to think forward a little bit. Because I believe that God has, listen, I believe God has some new things for you in 2023. But I want to make sure, like, I I believe it so much that I believe it's worth our attention to begin to prepare ourselves even now for what God wants to do in the next season of our lives. All right, so we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna lean into that a little bit today. So let me just pray for us. God, I pray that, that as we look forward into what you have for us, God, that you would lead us into your truth. God, may your word speak louder than anything today. God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would be poured out and we know that you are a God who has given the gift of his Holy Spirit. So Lord, may your spirit speak to our hearts today. We'd hear your voice, that we'd walk in step with you shape us and mold us into the likeness of you. God, we love you. We look forward to what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's, here's where I want to lean into today. Here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about four essentials to consider in preparation for a new year, four essentials to consider in preparation for a new year. There's a lot of things we could look at. There's a lot of things that, that are important, but I I'm wanna talk about some spiritual growth things. Like, we all know that we ought to be growing spiritually, right? And I would say that most of us desire some spiritual growth. So, I wanna, I wanna talk about, like, where do we even begin? That's a really broad topic, isn't it? Like, spiritual growth, that's a really big topic. There are there's not an infinite number of books, but probably what feels like an infinite number of books and writings on the topic of spiritual growth. So I want to I give us just some four essentials to, to consider, just kind of keep in the forefront of our minds as we move into a new year, as we begin to prepare our hearts for what God might want to do in this new season. And the first, so I'm broken down in two kind of categories, all right? Two essential truths, and then we're we'll going to get two essential behaviors, two essential truths, two essential behaviors. Here we go. Here's the central truth number one that I want us to look at, and that's this: God gives new mercies in new seasons. God gives new mercies in new seasons. Limitations 3: 22 and 23 says this: The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Anybody grateful for that today? They are new. what is new? What what just said his mercies. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I love this. I love this. this is this picture and this 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 is you ever blow it so bad? maybe let' see you blow it so bad and you're like, I just can't wait till I can sleep this off and wake up new the next day and just like bask in the new mercies of God Any, has anybody ever like, thought that I've definitely thought that. Like, I just, I need to get this day over with so I can start new tomorrow. There is something, why? Can, does God's mercies not be tapped into in the middle of the afternoon? Well, I think they can. But there's something about the fresh start of a new day that introduces and, and reminds us of God's new mercies. But I, I want you to think about this. Like, he is, our God is a God of seasons. Think about it. He is a God of seasons. Have you ever thought why is there only one sun? Have you ever thought about that? Why not put like six of them that wrap around the earth? you think some of you like sciencey people are like, this is ridiculous, okay? But listen, who created science? <laughs> who created gravity? Who put, hung the planets and the stars and the sun in their place? He did, and he did it on purpose the way that he did it. God, for whatever reason, decided that we need a fresh start every 24 hours. Isn't that kind of cool? Like, how come the earth doesn't spin and it takes like 60 hours to get all the way around? Why aren't our days longer? Because he wanted them exactly how they are. God is a God of new days. He is a God of new seasons. He's a God of fresh starts. He's a God of seasons. Think about it. I love the fact that we live in a place with four seasons so that we can complain all year long about the weather. Um... <laughs> But I love the four seasons. like everybody says that. I love the four seasons, but we really just love complaining. Um, but it's like the seasons are always changing.' always a, there's always a fresh start. It's always new even. I know that's not the case in everywhere in the world, but even places don't have like all the seasons. A lot of people I go to Guatemala, they don't have four seasons, but they still have two rainy and dry, still have two seasons. God is a god of seasons. He's a god of new beginnings. And then then we go about this like. Why does it take 365 days and a quarter? Now, the quarter day is like, I'm like, God, why the quarter? Like, that seems weird. Anyway, but why does it take that long for a year to happen? I don't, I don't know. Why didn't he make it take 10,000 years to circle the sun? Like, he could have if he wanted to. You're like, dang, I was born in winter. <laughs> I guess I'll die in winter, right? Like, why, why did he do it the way that he did it? Because he is a God of fresh starts. He's a God of new beginnings. He's a God of seasons. So wouldn't it make a lot of sense to leverage the way that he created the world to experience his closeness in new ways? I know some people are like, oh, I'm not in New Year's resolutions. I'm not asking to be in New Year's resolutions. Well, let me just, let me con- have you consider this. It's a new year. Is anything going to happen between 1159 and when the we, you kiss your significant other and it, Clock ticks one more second and it's a new year. No, there's nothing different. Except it's another reminder of the mercies of God. And, and, and so like as we prepare for 2023, there's some of you friends, there's some of you that I know, like you've had a hard year. You've experienced loss or setback or heartache or conflict. And you're just like, ah. can, I, can I remind you of something? He's got new mercies for a new season. And honestly, that new season can start tomorrow morning or now. But there's something about this built-in nature of seasons that God has created that I, that I think it's beautiful when we take a new year and say, God, we look forward to the new mercies that God is going to do. So here, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you want to experience the beauty of the new that God has for you, you have to embrace the change that goes with it. Like getting something new is fun and exciting. But new inevitably means change. Like, we have four kids, and every time we get a new life that comes into our life, comes into our household, it's fun, it's beautiful, it's new, but it changes things, right? Have you ever met soon-to-be parents who are convinced that bringing a baby into their home isn't going to change much about their lifestyle? <laughs> you just, you, you start to say something, then you're like, nah, I'm just going to sit back and watch, Right? When you, when, 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 if you want to experience the beauty of new, you have to embrace the change that goes with it, but this is hard for us, right? And that brings us to the second essential truth of spiritual growth that I want us to look at today. And that's this, if you're not changing, you're not growing. Just look like, I don't even have to use a scripture verse, like just look at, like by definition, I have a five-year-old and I have a 14-year-old, okay? Okay. The five-year-old can't become a 14-year-old without change. I know it's gonna happen, I've watched it with one of them. I'm gonna gonna watch it with another one. But the five-year-old can't be a 14-year-old without change. Is is there anything wrong with the way that the five-year-old is right now? No, she's she's super smart, she's brilliant, I love her. But does she she need to look like a 14-year-old tomorrow? Nah, probably not, okay? But if in nine years there's no change, something's wrong, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd put her up against some 14-year-olds. But um, <laughs> but imagine if in nine years she looks identical to the way that she looks like now. I'm going to a med- medical doctor and be like, uh, <laughs> what's wrong? Or maybe she physically develops but mentally or emotionally, she still acts like a five-year-old, then I'm, I'm going to go to a counselor and say, like, what, what, what's, not, what's not happening right? Right? If there is time that passes and no change, there's no growth. You can't grow and not change. It's kind of inherent in what it actually is is. It doesn't necessarily mean that all change is growth, <laughs> right? But it does mean that if we're not changing, we're not growing. And, and this is hard in our spiritual lives, because oftentimes it's things we can't see. Oftentimes it's the intangible things, right? Like, we all know that we're supposed to desire spiritual growth, right? Like, we're in church. We're Christians, right? For those of you, you've, you've claimed Christ, and man, I'm, I've given my life to him, and like, I'm, I'm, like I want to, des- I, I desire spiritual growth. I know I'm supposed to, but and I really believe that a lot of us think that we want spiritual growth. But why is it then, I don't mean to be like a Debbie Downer here, but why is it then that so few of us can, can like point to actual tangible signs of recent spiritual growth in our lives? I think there's a variety of reasons. One might be, we may not exactly know what it looks like, right? Like, what is spiritual growth even supposed to look like? Well, for one, it's got to mean change, but what kind of change are you looking for? What does that change mean? What is how, how how am I supposed to grow? Like does it mean I need to like have better church attendance and start giving more money or read my bible more or praying more? Like those are all wonderful things. Go for it. Do them all. But think about, it. is that what Jesus emphasized when he called us 12? Hey, come follow me and I'm going to make sure you get a gold star for perfect Sunday school attendance? Hey, come follow me, and you're going to be the best Bible reader there has ever been. No, that's not what he was after. He was after change. What kind of change? He was after this this internal kind of change. He was after heart transformation, right? He he wanted to change them from the inside out, something that is is real. Like uh, We look back even uh, at, at the Proverbs. Proverbs 4.23 says this, above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. God's not interesting in just modifying your behaviors. Spiritual growth isn't about just about behavior modification. God wants to do something on the inside. Everything you do flows from your heart. Luke 6.45, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or here's how the NIV puts it. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So, so if everything I do flows from my heart, if, if, if the things that come out of my mouth flow from my heart, here's, here's what I believe spiritual growth ought to look like. It's not just, I say just because it is an important part, it's not just an addition of spiritual habits and it's not just the eradication, like the getting rid of sin He wants to change my very heart. And the way that you can see, it's hard to tell what's going on in the heart when things are good, right? We talked about this with with gratitude and contentment last week, but it applies to like so much of our spiritual development. So we're gonna broaden this out a little bit. Like, how do you tell what's in the heart? It's when I get shaken, what comes out. Everything I do flows from my heart. I I can live from the surface for a long time. But when I get shaken, that security begins to move. When conflict hits, when I face loss, when I see setbacks, when I have uh, missed expectations, what comes out? I think so many of us think that spiritual formation, spiritual growth is about adding all the external factors. But what Jesus is after is that when you get shaken, Jesus' character comes out. That's intimidating to pursue, isn't it? Like that really is. But it's what God is looking for. And here's the thing that I think we need to start by just wrapping our heads around this. Like this is possible. God wants to change the default responses to conflict in your life. He wants to change the default responses to the negative things that you experience. He wants to change the default responses to the hard things that you walk through. This is what he's after in this spiritual growth, this spiritual formation, right? So let's, let, me, let me think about this. Like, so when I ask the question how have you grown? Can you point to actual, tangible signs of spiritual growth? Right in this world, we typically go like, my Bible reading. How's my Bible reading? Right, or my prayer time. My prayer time's good. Or, or, or my, my church. I'm going to church more. Right. We usually. What if, what if we were to say this? Like, can you point to one of these types of things? Are you growing spiritually? Let me ask this. Is there change taking place in your life in the areas of grace? Are you? Do you have capacity? To show somebody more grace than you did a year ago or five years ago, are you more patient than you were five years ago? Are you more likely to give up your preferences for the sake of somebody else in your life more easily, or more, or is that becoming more difficult for you? A change is is inevitable. The question is, are we changing in alignment with with the with God, are you more quick to listen or a little slower to listen than you used to be? Are are you more easily irritable or or are, are you able to walk with mercy? That's hard. That's not a fun set of questions to ask, is it? But this is what Christ is after. And here's the hope. Here's the exciting part is this is what God wants to do in us. And it's possible. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. There's two essential truths uh, to spiritual growth but we need to like prepare for it that we can wrap our heads around it. and these are those those are these right here God gives new mercies and new seasons friends there's a new season coming just a new year anything magical about it no but it's a, a new opportunity to reset and two if you're not changing you're not growing I would challenge all of us throughout this Christmas season up until the new year I'll be honest, sometimes I'm so preoccupied with Christmas that my New Year's resolutions or my new goals are really like starting February. (laughs) It's going to take January to figure out, like, God, where are you pointing and leading? And that's fine too, but are we using this opportunity, these new mercies in a new season to evaluate our own hearts and lives? And like, God, do I look more like you now than I used to? Or, or, Or are things getting more challenging? Now that's the things that we need to wrap our heads. Now let's how about some steps forward? How about that? Okay, let's let's look at the next two things. Let's talk about two essential behaviors of spiritual growth. Okay. So talk about change, right? If we want to experience the beauty of the new, you have to embrace the change that goes with it. So let's talk about two external or two behaviors, two essential behaviors. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Maybe the second most verse I use over anything else other than John 10 10 but I love it. It's so rich. And I, like, if I could just, like, if I could just learn how to live Romans 12 2, the way Christ intended, like I may not need anything else. <laughs> Here's what it says. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, that's a big then, then After this, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. God has a good will, a pleasing will, a perfect will for your life in 2023. Let me tell you, he has something new for you and it's amazing. It might still have loss and setback and challenges, but I tell you, it's going to be rich. He's got something for you, but there's a then. <laughs> there's something that, becomes, that comes first. There are these two behaviors that Paul identifies. So I want to look at these two behaviors. The first one is this. We've got to learn to break the patterns of this world. We've got to break the patterns of this world. The first essential behavior of our spiritual growth is that we, that we need to be thinking about this year is we need to break the patterns of this world, All right, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Here's the problem: if we're not, if we're not careful, we can assume. Do not be conformed, assuming that I'm not conforming currently in any way, shape, form whatsoever to the pattern of the world right now. So I just got to protect where I've got, where I am. Friends, I'm just going to be honest: there are more aspects of my life that are conformed to the pattern of this world than I care to admit like a lot. The, the pattern of the world thing is, is, is tough. Here's, here's the thing. The first thing we got to do in order to be able to break the patterns of the world, we've got to be able to identify the patterns of the world. Can, can you identify the patterns of the world in you? Here's the thing. And patterns of the world, what does that even mean? Okay. Culture is a big thing. It's a significant thing in shaping who we are. In fact, the culture we live in shapes our patterns of living. The culture we live in shapes our patterns of living. Now, here's the thing. Culture is like almost invisible to those who are in it until you get outside of it. Anybody ever experience culture shock in a significant or even a minor way, right? You ever experienced culture shock? Now, you ever go to a foreign country, especially like a third world country, something like that, you'll experience it quick. But just simply going somewhere that speaks another language, you'll experience it. Simply growing up, get <laughs> For a lot of people, getting married is culture shock, right? We don't define it as that, but it is. I grew up in a certain culture, and 99.9% of the time, your spouse grew up in a different culture. It could be drastically different, or it could be subtly different, but wherever the differences are, you'll find them pretty soon, right? You'll find them quickly because you don't even realize that your culture is culture. You just think your culture is life, right? Culture is nearly invisible, completely invisible to the people we're in. Listen, we live in a broken world. And there are some patterns of the brokenness of this world that just feel like life. But they're not just life. They're patterns and a culture of the world. And when Jesus came, he said his his main teaching is the kingdom of God is like. Let me teach you about what the kingdom of God is like. And essentially what he's saying is, let me teach you what what the the culture of the kingdom of God is all about. Let me teach, and listen, we live, and so that's why, that's why. The Bible we call it—it's like an, an upside-down gospel. Like nothing seems right. Like the first is last, and the last is, is first. And and if I want to experience more, then I give more. And it, it, it's, it's I love the least of these, and, and, and I wash people's feet, and that's the, how I'm going to be the great. Like there's all of these principles that make zero sense. I'm getting the most done in six days, not seven. I I, I have the, the most most uh, spending capacity on ninety percent, not ten. Like none of it makes sense. Why doesn't it make sense? Because what makes sense is the culture of this world. Like it is, it is ingrained into us. The way we think, the way that we view relationships, the way that we view the circumstances, the way that we view and walk through loss, some of it's American culture, some of it's family culture, but a lot of it is just the world's culture. It's the way that the world makes sense. And Jesus says, listen, <laughs> the kingdom of God is so contrary to the kingdom of this world there's an entirely different culture with different patterns the culture we live in shapes our patterns of living the culture we live in shapes our patterns of living so how do we identify the world's culture the same way you identify your american culture go somewhere not america right how do you identify your family's culture marry somebody who's not like your family like these are how you identify culture. How do you identify the, the, the culture of the world that has ingrained itself in me in ways that I don't even recognize? Be about the kingdom of God culture. How do you do that? Read the Bible. I thought, I thought it wasn't just about Bible reading. It's not, it's about doing something inside of me. But if I wanna be able to even identify what's going on inside of me, if I wanna even be able to identify the patterns of world, the world that are in me, I need to know the Word of God, and more specifically, the New Testament. The Old Testament, it's, it's inspired, it's anointed, it's God's Word. But listen, the New Testament, Jesus came to teach us the kingdom of God. Double down on that. The rest of the New Testament is there to reinforce and give practical examples on how to live kingdom principles in under the New Covenant. Okay, Old Testament is amazing and anointed and, and useful and All of it. But if we want to learn to identify some of the unhealthy patterns in our life, read the New Testament over and over and over and over and over and over and over over again. Because if we want to expose the world's culture in us, we need to be about and be in the culture of the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Okay. Axel's with me. All right. So let me... (laughs) If I, don't, if, you, if I ask if it makes sense and nobody answers, I'll keep preaching, okay? So I'm just going to give you the tip. All right. We have to identify the patterns of the world, but then we have to replace the patterns of the world. It's going to come back to the Word. Look at this. Here's what's so cool. So I identify. I'm reading the Word. I'm identifying. Man, there's some indulgence in me. There's some gluttony. Oh, my goodness. There's, one, there's a, a passage that Paul writes where he talks about their God is their stomach. And I'm like, oh, I hate reading that every single time I hear it. I'm like, ah, oh, that rings so true. Ah, the, the indulgence, this gluttony, this consumption. I, I, I identify those. Well, guess what? When I read his word, he, he's like, here's this discipline. It's called fasting. And it'll break the pattern of indulgence, gluttony, and consumption right from you. Follow what it says overproduction workaholism or the other end of the exact same scale laziness oh guess what he's already prescribed an answer for that too it's called sabbath right like if you want to break the pattern of, of laziness or overproduction or workaholism in your life practice the sabbath it's already it's already there it, it, it just tells you what to do or how about overspending and greed and indulgence there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a discipline. There's a tool that we find in God's word for that. It's called tithing. Try it and watch the, 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 the pattern of the world begin to melt away as we use the tools that he has given us and walk in the truth that it's right there. But so often, we're more concerned uh, about our Bible reading streak than we are about putting the kingdom culture to work in our lives we got to guard our hearts. So let me just ask this. What, what aspects of your life look more like the culture of the world? What, what aspects of your life are shaped and influenced more by the norms of society, maybe that's a more modern way to put it, than they are by the principles of the kingdom of God? Man, that's, that's a hard question, right? How time, the way that I spend my time? It, it, is it shaped by the norms of society, or is it, is it shaped by the kingdom of God? Is, is, is it, and listen, I'm not saying it's one or the other, right? Like The kingdom culture pulls us in like, just small ways. Some of us are like, whoa, this is way out of balance. This one's obvious. There's some of us, you're like, you know what? Some of the things that I do in this aspect of my life, it's really not kingdom, not 100% kingdom of God-based, there's a lot of this still in me, right? Family life, how you interact with your family life, sexuality, finances, friendships, politics. That one's funny, we all think our politics are <laughs> all kingdom of God. How much of it is, is involved with the norms of society? Our rest, sleep habits, our work, our hobbies. Romans 12, two, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here here he gives these two behaviors, right? Don't conform to the pattern of the world, but here's another part. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's, here's the kind of cool part that links them together. Number two, the second behavior is this. Renew your mind. Okay? So it's, it's, it's break the patterns of the world. Number two is renew your mind. And guess what renewing your mind is all about? It's about the Word of God. Like, friends, there's so many of us who are, who are striving for spiritual growth we're we're we're, stri- we're striving for spiritual growth, but we're not putting God's written word to humanity into our lives on a regular basis, and wondering why we're not growing. Like there are a lot of spiritual disciplines, but this is one of the essentials. And the reason, I'm, the reason I'm, I'm bringing this all up, well, let, me, let, me, let me get into this here real quick. Behavior two is critical to behavior one, right? If, if, if it's renew your mind and don't be conformed or break the patterns of this world, how do we break the patterns of the world? Well, we identify, we identify the unhealthy patterns through the word of God. And then we replace those unhealthy patterns with healthy ones that we find in the word of God. And then in the word of God, he says that we renew our mind that does what? That leads to transformation. Transformation of what? Of the external behaviors? Well, sure, yes. But more importantly, transformation of what? The heart. Right? Like, God's word is critical. Listen, if spiritual growth or if the spiritual world were like sports, sorry, this is the way that I think, okay? If the spiritual world was like sports, The disciplines are like practice, okay? And some of us, some of us try really hard to get all the practices down, okay? We, we, we try to master the practices, okay? But I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell myself. So I played basketball in college. It was like real small school, college, right? And I played as a post. I was not a shooter. Like, I was not a shooter. I played inside all the time. I didn't take a jump shot outside 15 feet. However... After practice, and we'd start playing horse, or after practice, we'd start having shoot. I could hold my own shooting threes with our shooting guards, with the ones who are specialists. I could hold my own, and we'd get out there, and I'd, I'd win every once in a while, these little games that we'd play, and in practice, I could shoot a three. In my career, I shot three threes. Only because we were smoking the other team, and my coach was in a good mood, and when I asked if I could shoot one and not get benched, he said yes. I have a 33% airball percentage on my three-pointers. <laughs> Why? Because there is something different about practicing and performing in a game. Okay? There's some of us Christians, we're like expert practicers. We can read our Bible every day. Listen, I'm just going to tell you something right now. There are some of you who are more concerned about your Bible reading streak on Version than you are about God's word changing your life. That, here's my tip for you, if, if that resonates with you, I dare you to not read your Bible tomorrow, substitute your Bible reading time with prayer, and then pick it up on Tuesday and start on day one. That's gonna kill some people, right? No! Why? Because we wanna be so good at practicing. Who cares how many days in a row you've read your Bible? if the next time you face loss, the next time someone criticizes you, you melt into a a place of hopeless depression. That you begin to question if God has ever been with you. If all joy and hope and peace ceases the next time you feel a little bit of turbulence in your life, you need to reevaluate your practice habits. It's all about the Word of God. It's all about His Word, but it's not about the practice of His Word. I've been in sports, and if you've been in sports real long, there there are actually players who get really good at practice. They learn all the drills. But I'll tell you what's the difference, is when you get into a game, and you can watch a player responds to what is happening on the field or on the court instinctively and doesn't have to think anymore. He's taken what the practice is intended to do. The practice is important. You can't just not practice and show up at a game and expect to do well. The practice is important. But he's, he's leveraged the practice to actually get good at what he's supposed to do. Do you take your Bible reading time? Is, is that time? that you set aside to hear the voice of God to speak into the specific aspects of your life? If not, like you might just need to set it down and, and, and practice a new spiritual discipline for a little bit. When you go to the Lord in prayer, is the goal to get through your list? Or is the goal to call on a heavenly father and to spend time with a God who loves you and created you? Sure, you can bring your list. You can you ask him. He asks you to ask him. But, 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 do you, but do you meet with God? I, my, my, my screen, it won't be like this forever, but for right now, my, my desktop on my laptop, screensaver or whatever, desktop, just says, have you heard God's voice today? And the reason I put that on there is because I'm like, I read my Bible every day, but sometimes I don't hear his voice. You know what I'm saying? And it's not because like, oh, that wasn't a good, good quiet time. It's because I didn't slow down. I just going through the practice. I'm just going through the routines. Listen, God wants to do some things through the disciplines, but His goal is your heart. So here's, here's can I can I can I share with you something that God's teaching me right now. <clears throat> I'm still in process. There's, I'm seeing this. God just showing me some cool things. I think the end of the year is a great time to just for reflection. But here's something that God is showing me. Now, if if you're new to spiritual disciplines at all, pick one, set a goal. Don't set a goal for a year. Let me just tell you, don't set a year goal. It's going to be irrelevant real fast. Set a a January goal. Or set a goal from like January 1 to Easter or or something. Set a real goal. Year goals are hard. If you're just new to this, set an attainable goal. Bible reading time, prayer time, maybe it's fasting, maybe maybe you want to start a new, start there. But I want to speak to some of those who have you set goal after goal after goal. For decades, you've set spiritual goals and sometimes you hit them. 80% of the time you don't. Sometimes, most times you start them. Maybe sometimes you get halfway through. Okay. So I'm talking to a lot of people in this room. I just, I know how we humans work. Okay. Here's something that God's teaching me. There's, there's a shift that needs to take place in some of us, not all, but in some of us who are there and you're just done with goals. And here's the deal. True spiritual health isn't about attaining goals. It's about changing a lifestyle. It's the don't conform part. And we think about don't conform to the pattern of the world and we instantly think about sin. Stop doing all the nasty stuff. Well, if you're doing nasty stuff, stop that too, okay? But that's, it's more than that. It's the the pattern of the world of laziness that drives me nuts. It's the pattern of the world of indulgence that I can't stop thinking of myself first. Well, maybe I need to stop setting goals and just choose. Nope, I'm gonna rearrange some things in my life. Let me give you a a physical analogy. Again, I'm showing my cards here. Did you know I used to eat ice cream every single day of my life? (laughs) Oh, And I'm not talking about when I was like 12, okay? Like, since I've lived here, okay, that's embarrassing. And for years, I was like, I need to set a goal to eat less sweets. And for years, it never happened. But I'd set these goals, and I'd try to cut back, and I'd learn some things in the process of goal setting, which was great. But at the end of the day, Beth and I at one point in time said, here's what we're going to do. We're changing our lifestyle. We're not adding new little goals to it. We're changing our lifestyle. and This is what we're going to do. We're going to eat ice cream every single Sunday. And by choosing to eat ice cream every single Sunday, we eliminated our ice cream intake by six days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what, which direction that was in an amen for. Um, But it came down to the matter of like, I need to stop setting goals to try to be better and just make a decision that I will not live this way anymore. I'm not going to do these certain behaviors because I'm going to replace them with these behaviors. And friends, there's some of us like you've been thinking like, oh, I need to start fasting more. No, you need to pick a day. You need to tell the people in your life and then you have a little bit of accountability for it. And then you just need to change it's, it's the way that we approach it. I'm, I'm not setting any more goals. I'm just, I fast Fridays now or whatever it might be. For some of us who've been setting goals for a long time, those goals have helped you get to where you are. But some of us are in that place where it's not about goals anymore. It's like you have to own the fact that the reason that I struggle is that the patterns in my life are, have more to do with the social norms than they do with the kingdom of God. And that's why I'm giving you a month to think about this because this is hard stuff. Like God, I wanna I want I, I look like you. But I gotta to come to terms with the fact that not everything in my life is as God desires it. And there are patterns, not just sins, not just behaviors, not just activities. There are patterns in my life that are actually working against what God is trying to instill in me. And I've got to learn to identify those things, to replace those things with the patterns of the kingdom of God and allow his word to renew my mind. And so I'm gonna I'm, I'm sharing this now to give us time to just process this. But I want to share one thing. As a church, we're going to be doing this. We're going to come, like a couple years ago, we really were leaning into this, the soap way of, of Bible study. Last year, we kind of backed off the push for the, and basically all that is is scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Just a way to process through the scripture. And last year we, we shift things up and we focused on Bible reading through the New Testament. And, and many of you have done that or jumped in and out. And that's, that's great. But this year we're, we're going to, I'm, I'm calling all who will. say, I need more of God's word in me. And and here's the deal: we, we can read the one the, the one chapter on the day, and that's good. Like that's good. And if that's where you're at, you you do that. But I believe there are some that, that 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 you're that you need that you are ready. Like it's time to dig in. And the only thing that's stopping you is the patterns that have sucked you into whatever the busyness or the what are the excuses that we have that really reflect the culture that we live in. We're going to soak through the New Testament this year, starting in January. We're basically we sit down with a text. It takes more time, yeah. Sit on the text and read a chapter, and we pick one verse that stands out to us, and we we sit with it. We listen to the voice of God. We make observations of what God is speaking to us. We write down what God is speaking to us. We learn to to take the word and put it in me, not just read it quickly so I can mark the checklist. Again, reading it is a good start, start where you're at. But for some of you who are ready for another step, I'm challenging you, would you you reevaluate the patterns in your life? Would you bring this to the Lord? Say, God, what are the unhealthy patterns? Maybe they're not even unhealthy, but what are the patterns that are keeping me from the healthy patterns of your kingdom? Because I want more. I want more than what I've had. I want more than behavior modification. I want more than gritting my teeth and trying to stop sinning. I want more than my default reaction being being fear or anger. I want, I want the peace of God that I don't like have to force onto me, but that flows up out of me. Friends, it only comes from soaking our hearts in the word of God. So, I want to paint a broad enough, stroke that wherever you're at, you've got to bring it before God. you got to talk. Maybe you don't even know where it is, but you just go, God, I want a next step. Maybe it's just a January goal. Maybe it's an entirely new lifestyle. Maybe it's I have to rethink the way I start my days or end my days. Maybe it's I have to rethink the, what I do with my spare time. Maybe it's the, uh, the amount of, or the type of content that I'm taking in. Maybe what, what are the patterns that don't align with kingdom principles? And am I willing to let go of patterns that I'm comfortable with, with the new that God wants to do in me? I guess what it comes down to is, am I willing to change? Do I want this heart thing bad enough or I'm willing to change the external features of my life so that God can begin to work and instill in me something that is way greater than my comfortable norms? So what does God wanna do in you this year? Listen, friends, I don't wanna end on this, you're bad, get fixed mentality. I wanna end on this, new mercies for new seasons. Friends, God is leading us into a new season. God is leading you into a new season. Will you take hold of the new that he's offering? Will you take hold and embrace the change that he's inviting into us so that we might be able to just take hold of some external changes and allow God to really do the true transformation through the renewing of our minds? Seems like a pretty good trade to me. Father God, we praise you and we thank you that you are a God of seasons. You are a God of new mercies. You are a God who is willing and able to not just fix our behaviors, but to change our default settings. God, teach us to live in your kingdom. Teach us to identify the world's culture and to embrace your calling God shape us we open ourselves Lord to your change we open ourselves to the new that that you're inviting us into so Father may your Holy Spirit do his work in each one of us even now God would you bring to remembrance just the things that you're speaking to our hearts now Would you give us the courage to speak out in the name of accountability that we would grow together in this? God, begin preparing our hearts even now for the new you want to do in our next season. God, we love you. We thank you for your grace and your new mercies. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.